0: Well, good morning. With the, uh, with the snow, I was preparing my heart this morning to preach to the remnant. And uh, I think we ended up with more than the remnant, or the remnant is much larger than I thought it would be. So uh, good to see you this morning. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, pray as we get going here. Well, Father, as we turn to your word, we just pause and we just acknowledge you uh, to be God over all things. We believe you are. We believe, Lord Jesus, that you are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. We believe, Lord Jesus, that every knee will eventually bow, every tongue eventually confess that you are indeed Lord. Uh, We honor you this morning. We bless you. We praise you. Uh, We look to you for help this morning as we look to your word uh, your word says that that now during this life we see through a glass dimly. We, we, we have trouble seeing things clearly. Father, even when we open your word, it, Lord, if you just left this in our hands, we'd get nothing out of it. It would be black words on a white page and nothing more. We, we see through a glass dimly. So we just look to you, Father, just ask for your help. I ask for your help this morning. Uh, father we ask that you would uh, by your spirit open the eyes of our hearts you would strengthen us um, in our inner beings by your spirit so that we that so that Christ might dwell in our hearts by faith um, that we might uh, with all the saints comprehend the length and the breadth the height and the depth that we might somehow know the unknowable love of Christ we just ask father you do An amazing work in our hearts um, this morning. We thank you for it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Over the past few months, uh, I have been preaching a series on prayer. Some of you probably thought I finished that series on prayer. We did take a couple weeks break from that series on prayer, but we're back on prayer again here this morning. I will uh, finish this series next Sunday, Lord willing, and then after Christmas, I'll start a series on the book of Nehemiah. And I've been preaching on prayer because prayer is simply one of the most important aspects of the Christian life. Colossians 4 2 says that Christians should devote themselves to prayer. We see the early disciples in Acts 2 devoting themselves. To prayer, and prayer is just critical for the health of believers. Christians who do devote themselves to prayer will just by and large be much healthier than christians who don't christians who pray will just naturally be more filled with and empowered by god's spirit Uh, they will just naturally bear more fruits of the spirit in their lives and and they'll see god do some amazing things through their prayers god works through the prayers of his people that that's how god works on this in this earth right now through the prayers of his people. So those Christians who pray will just naturally see God doing more things in and through their prayers. We just cannot overestimate the value and the importance of prayer in the Christian life. Just a couple of quotes here that emphasize this value and importance of prayer. William Carey, a missionary to India in the 1800s, he said this, he said, prayer, secret prayer, Fervent, believing prayer lies at the root of all personal godliness. And then William Law said this He who has learned to pray has learned the greatest secret of a holy and happy life. And then Emmy Andros said this Time spent alone with God is not wasted. It changes us. It changes our surroundings. And every Christian who would live the life that counts and who would have power for service must take time to pray. The value and importance of prayer, it cannot be overestimated. And listen, prayer is an incredible privilege for believers. The Bible says that before we trust in Christ, our sins separate us from God. A sin barrier between us and God. And in that condition, that lost condition, God does not hear our prayers. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came to earth to remove that sin barrier Jesus Christ came, He lived, He died, He rose again to remove that barrier. And the second you truly repent or turn away from your sin and truly cling to and begin to follow Christ in faith, that sin barrier is removed and God now hears your prayers. He loves to answer your prayers now. And God now says to you, as His child, devote yourself to prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. And today we're going to think a little bit about what to pray when you pray. Some of the things you might say in prayer, or some of the different elements or, or parts of prayer. If you're going to pray, you need some idea of what to pray, what to say in your prayers. I think I've told you before that when I was a little child, maybe eight or nine years old, my brother and I, we were watching this uh, Christian TV station. They were asking people to devote time every day to pray for global missions. Well, that intrigued my older brother and me and me at the age of 8 or 9. So, what did we do? We cleared out our closet. We put a little chair in there. We 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 pinned a world map to the wall. And I remember walking into that closet for the first time to pray for global missions. I sat in that little chair and shut the door behind me, folded my hands, And just stared at the map on the wall. I had no idea what to pray in my closet there. And I think I tried for a couple days and just eventually gave up. If you're going to pray, you need some idea of what to pray, what to say when you pray. Now, now it's fine if you're a believer just to ramble in prayer. God is your Father, and He loves to hear His kids just ramble in prayer. It's like you with your kids. You just like to hear them talk most of the time. <laughs> you love to hear them ramble. It's okay, and that's the way God the Father is with us. It's, it's okay to ramble as a child of God, but it's also good to to have an idea of of some topics you might cover in prayer, especially maybe when you're having your daily scheduled prayer times. You know, it's good for believers just to pray as you go throughout the day, uh, just kind of praying on the fly as situations arise. And, and when you pray throughout the day, you might ramble a little bit more and your prayers be a little a little more brief. A trial comes your way and you just quickly ask God for help. Uh, somebody comes to your mind and you just quickly ask God to 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 save them or to to heal them in some way, uh, uh, you just pray through the day. Uh, but but it's also good for believers to have a scheduled prayer time every day, a morning devotion, or or something like that. When when you can actually give yourself to to a little bit more of an extended time of concentrated focused. Prayer. We see Jesus doing that all through the, the Word of God. He would pull away and give himself to extended, focused prayer. That's a good pattern for every Christian, I believe. I do hope you've begun to practice some sort of daily prayer time. Corey Tenboom said this. She said, Don't just pray when you feel like it, have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A man is powerful. "...upon his knees." And, and and listen, during those daily prayer times, if you schedule some time to pray, what do you say that will keep you from just staring at a map on the wall? It's fine to ramble again even in those times, but it's also good to have an idea of some topics you might cover. And, and when you look through the Bible, you find lots of different topics that you can cover in prayer, lots of different topics parts or elements of of prayer. The Bible teaches us what to pray. And all I'd like to do this morning is look at four different parts or elements of Prayer. Four topics that you might cover in your prayers. There are definitely more than just four elements of prayer. I'll list some, list some more of the elements of prayer at the end here this morning. But we're only going to look closely at four different elements or parts of prayer. Four topics you can cover in prayer. Some of you have probably heard of the Acts prayer guide. That's not like Acts as in chop a tree. That's in Acts as in the book of Acts. Uh, the Acts prayer guide, A-C-T-S. It's an acrostic. Uh, uh, each of those letters stands for one key element of prayer. What can you pray about in your prayer times? Think A C T. S. You can just kind of pray through that acrostic if you want. And that first letter, the first kind of element of prayer we'll talk about this morning is the letter A, and that stands for adoration. When you, when you have a little time blocked out and you're going to give yourself to prayer, or maybe just when you're driving in the car down the road, spend some of that time in prayer, spend some of that time in adoration or praise, just exalting God, glorifying God, blessing God, worshiping God. Adoration is something that a lot of believers probably do not do very much of in their prayers, if at all. You know, a lot of believers tend to think of, of prayer as just asking God for things. And that is a part of prayer. There's a lot more to prayer than just asking God for things. And one of the most important elements of prayer is adoration or or praising God. The Bible tells us all over the place to praise God, adore God, bless God, glorify God, worship God. It's all over the book of Psalms. We're going to actually look at a lot of verses this morning. We'll put all of them on the screen here for you this morning. Just look at some of these psalms here. All this talk about praising or adoring or worshiping God. Psalm 34 verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 51 15. O Lord open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Psalm 63, 3. Because your steadfast love, O oh Lord, is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. In Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And I I think a lot of believers probably look at verses like that, and they think about praising God with their lips, and, and they think the only place they do that is in song on Sunday morning. But song on Sunday morning is not the only place you're supposed to praise the Lord with your lips. One of the most important places where you are supposed to praise the Lord with your lips is in prayer. Not just in song on Sunday morning, but praising God in prayer throughout the week. You know those psalms that are in the Bible, all 150 psalms, do you know that most of those psalms were originally prayers? And in those prayers, in the Psalms, people are constantly praising God. They're praising or exalting or glorifying God in their prayers. I praise you, God, for you are good. I bless you, O Lord, for your steadfast love endures forever. All that is within me blesses you, O Lord, for your mercy never comes to an end. The Psalms were originally prayers, and in those Psalms, you find all kinds of, of prayers of adoration. People praising God, adoring God, blessing God in their prayers. And man, then when you look outside of the book of Psalms, you begin to look at the rest of the Bible, and you look at all the examples of prayer that we see throughout the Bible. You see all kinds of other people praising God in their prayers. And you know, you typically find the praise right at the start of their prayers. You can see it here with King Solomon 2 Chronicles 6.13 when he dedicated the temple to God. Then Solomon knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and he spread out his hands toward heaven and he said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like You in heaven or on earth. A God who keeps covenant and shows steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all your heart. And you can see it there, just opening, opening his prayer with praise. And giving reasons there why he's praising God. I praise you God, for there's no God like you. You are a God who keeps covenant with his servants, a God of steadfast love. I praise you, O God. Before he ever says anything else, he's lifting up this praise of adoration. And we see the same thing. Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, verse 4, Daniel is praying to the Lord in Babylon. It says, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who again keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Just a bit of praise there, opening his prayer to God. And we see it here with King Jehoshaphat, Second Chronicles 20 verse 5. Joshua stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand, Lord God, are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Just again, lifting up prayers of adoration to God in in His prayers. All these people in the Bible, who at the very start of their prayers praise God and, and give reasons why they're praising God. All these prayers of adoration. And listen, we find that same pattern in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught us how to pray. You know, the very first petition in the Lord's Prayer, it has to do with adoration. Adoration. Or with praise, Jesus says, Pray like this Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that word, hallow, it means to revere or it means to honor. And Jesus is telling us there, right at the start of the Lord's prayer, he's telling us there to revere or to honor God in our prayers, to praise his name, to praise his character, to praise his person, to exalt and glorify and bless God. And man, I think a lot of believers, they probably rarely, if ever praise and adore God in their prayers. For a lot of believers, prayer is just asking God for things. It's so natural for us to ask God for things in our prayers, but it's not nearly as natural for us to praise or adore God in our prayers. And listen, we must learn to do it, Because one of the primary elements of prayer is adoration. So I'm going to encourage you this week to do it. I encourage you this week, you block out times for focused prayer. Maybe you start with 10 minutes if you've not done that before. But please don't stop at 10 minutes. Let that expand. I now try to pray at least one hour every morning. That's not reading the Bible and praying. I read the Bible and then try to pray for an hour. Let that expand in your life. Do it this week. When will you start to do it? Block out the time this week to pray and, and, and take some of that time and praise God. Adore God. Bless him, exalt him, glorify him in your words. And listen, you can praise God for all kinds of reasons in your prayers. I mean, praise him for creation. I mean, I mean, just look around you. I praise you, Father. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You've created every leaf, every tree you have created. Lots of snowflakes over the last 12 hours, and they're beautiful. God, what a creator you are, or, or praise him, praise him for redemption, praise him for the salvation that, that you have in Christ. I bless you, Father, that you did not hold my sins against me, but in Christ Jesus, you have forgiven me. Or praise God for his attributes. Just start thinking who is God and praise him for that. Lord God, I praise you. You are holy. You are all powerful, Lord God. You are all present. You are all knowing, Lord God. You're magnificent and you're so compassionate praise Jesus. I bless you, Jesus. Exalt you, glorify you, my good shepherd, for your steadfast love for me is so amazing. Man, if you can't think of reasons to praise God when you're praying, just look at a Psalm, or look, or look at some other scripture and just turn those words into praise for God. Go to Psalm 103. I bless you, God, for you are merciful and you are gracious. You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Or man, use the words of a hymn. Pick up an old hymn book. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. All thy works shall praise your name in earth and sky and sea. Just spend some time this week. I encourage you to do it. I challenge you to do it. In adoration of God. You know that word adoration, it originally meant to kiss the hand. and That's what you're doing when you adore your God, when you praise your God, when you glorify Him. You are in essence kissing the hand of your benevolent Father, your amazing King. I praise you. I love you. Let me tell you why I love you, Lord God. And listen, your adoration of God in your prayers that will be so pleasing to God so pleasing but please listen that adoration of God that you offer up in prayer it will also impact you adoration for starters when you do it in your prayer it gives you joy you know why because you were created to glorify God You were created to worship God, to praise Him. And when you do that which you were created to do, when you adore Him in your prayers, guess what? You then experience the joy that comes from doing that which you were created to do. God gets the glory and you get the joy. But listen, your your adoration of God in your prayers, guess what? That will also recenter you. You know, if all you ever do in prayer is pray about yourself, your needs, your, your desires, well, you can slowly begin to think that God revolves around you. A man-centered, me-centered universe. But when you focus on God in prayer, you praise Him, you adore Him. You begin to remember that you actually revolve around God, a very God centered universe. You're drawn away from self, which is so healthy for us. And listen, prayer is intended to draw you away from yourself. You know, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, you'll notice that the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer, they really have very little to do with you. They have everything to do with God. You pray about His name. You pray about His kingdom. You pray about His will. You are focused, in the first part of the Lord's Prayer, entirely on God. And when you praise and adore God, in your prayers, at the beginning of your prayers, if you can, it draws you away from self and re-centers you, reminds you that you, in fact, revolve around God and not the other way around. Paul Bilheimer, he says this. Here is one of the greatest values of praise. It decentralizes self. The worship and praise of God demands a shift of center from self to God. One cannot praise God without relinquishing occupation with self. Praise produces forgetfulness of self, and forgetfulness of self is health. <laughs> So man, I encourage you spend some time in prayer, adoring God this week. That's one element of prayer, a primary element. The first letter in that ACTS acrostic, adoration. And the second letter, the letter C, it stands for confession. Another important element of prayer. And I think it goes very nicely after adoration. You don't see your sin clearly until you look at God. And when you spend some time looking at God, His holiness, His righteousness, His justice, His perfection, and John Calvin says when you look at God and then you come down and you begin to look at yourself, you see sin. And now it's time to confess (laughs) that sin in the lord's prayer jesus tells us right off the bat he says pray hallowed be thy name and then a couple of lines later he tells us to pray forgive us of our debts confession of sin you think about that just overall that's really good for believers First John 1 John 1.8 says this, says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves as believers, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In our, our Christian life, God, God wants us to confess our sins. To confess our sins to Him and... When we have committed those sins against other people, God wants us to confess those sins to other people. I've sinned against you, please forgive me. And listen, a regular confession of your sins for a believer, it's kind of like a regular washing of your feet. John 13, according to John 13, if you trust in Christ this morning... Well, you've essentially taken your bath for good. You are ultimately clean in the eyes of God because of the blood of Jesus. But as a believer, as you walk through this world and as you commit sin on a daily basis, well, your feet get dirty. And you have to continually go back to Jesus and confess your sins so that he might wash your feet once Again, and listen, one of the places where we're supposed to confess our sins is in prayer. If you look at examples of prayer in the Bible, you see people constantly confessing sin. You can see it here in Daniel's prayer, Daniel 9, 4. He says, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong, and acted wickedly, and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. You can see it. He praises God at the beginning. goes right into confession. See a similar pattern here with Ezra. Ezra 9, verse 5, I fell upon my knees, Ezra said, and spread out my hands to the Lord my God, saying, oh my God, I'm ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. From the days of our Father to this day, we have been in great guilt. And you can find many more prayers in the Bible. People confessing their sin in prayer. And God wants us to do the same. Confessing sin regularly. In, in, in your daily, maybe scheduled prayer times, maybe that's the best time to do it, or you find a different time during the day, Ask the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to do that this week, ask the Holy Spirit in your prayer times this week to reveal the sins, to reveal the ways that you've sinned since you last confessed your sin. And for some of you who have never confessed your sin before, <laughs> you can have quite a few sins to confess to God. Just wait on the Holy Spirit to show you your sin. Wait. I'd encourage you to wait. The Holy Spirit is alive. He's active. You if you ask him to reveal sin He will prompt you and show you sin. Sin you've committed over the last 24 hours or the last week. And when the Holy Spirit shows you that sin, then turn around and confess that sin to the Lord. And can I encourage you, when you confess your sin, when you confess your sin, be specific in your confession. David McIntyre, he says this. He says, a child of God will confess sin in particular. An unsound Christian will confess sin by wholesale. He will acknowledge he's a sinner in general. Whereas a Christian will say, a healthy Christian will say, I have done this evil. He does not say, I have done evil in general, but I have done this evil. Be specific in your confession, when you confess to God in prayer, or when you confess to other human beings. Call it what it is. I had a friend once, and I told him, when my wife confronts me, I have the tendency to get prickly. And he looked at me, and he smiled, and he said, isn't that interesting how we like to describe our sin with words that are not biblical? (laughs) And so I paused and said, okay, you got me. When my wife confronts me, I have a tendency to get angry in my heart. The sin is not prickly. (laughs) The sin is angry. So when the Holy Spirit shows you your sins and you're going to confess in prayer, I just encourage you to confess very specifically. Father, forgive me. I have committed the sin of anger. I have committed the sin of impatience or gossip or sexual immorality. Whatever the Holy Spirit has prompted in your heart and mind. But please listen to me. After you have confessed your sin to God, please make sure you look to the cross in prayer and you receive your cleansing from Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for those sins you took the punishment for those sins. And Lord God, you promised me in 1 John 1 that if I will confess my sins, you will be faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I believe, Father, right now, I've obeyed. I've com- confessed my sin to you. I believe that you in your justice and your righteousness have declared me clean, washed my feet again in the blood of the Lamb. And man, that regular confession of sin in your prayer life, guess what that will do? That will keep you very humble. (laughs) That will keep you humble and it will keep you very, very grateful for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what it will also do if you'll confess your sin regularly? It will keep the lines of communication open between you and God. Because see, when we go along in our Christian lives and we refuse to confess our sin or to repent of our sin, we will not do it. It does cause a distance between us and God. Now, if you're a true believer, it doesn't cause an ultimate separation where you are no longer a child of God. But unconfessed, unrepented sin does create a distance between you and God. And the Bible says clearly that that unconfessed, unrepented sin can keep God from answering your prayers. So pretty good probably to confess near the beginning of your prayers before you actually begin to ask for things from God. You know, I love to give my kids good things when they ask, but man, if my kids rebel against me in some way and they won't confess, they won't repent of their sin, and then they ask me for things, I'm not quite as prone to give them those things they're asking for, and God's the same way. God loves us. He loves to give good gifts to us, but if we sin and we will not confess, we will not repent of that sin, and we ask God for things, He's not as prone to give us those things. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, a prayer without penitence is a prayer without acceptance. There must be a confession of sin before God, or our prayer is faulty. And he's saying, without penitence in the heart, the prayers from your lips won't get through to God. Confession. Another very important element in prayer. Adoration. Confession. The third letter in that ACTS acrostic, T, thanksgiving. Give thanks to God. Give thanks to God in your prayers. You know, you look through the Bible, the the Bible constantly tells us to to give thanks to God. Here's a couple instances, Psalm 9 verse 1, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Or Psalm 116 verse 12, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will offer to you the the sacrifice of thanksgiving. The Bible all over the place tells us to give thanks to God. And you know, several times in the Bible, God explicitly tells us to give thanks in prayer. Colossians 4.2 Continue steadfastly in prayer or devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful in prayer with thanksgiving. Or Philippians 4.6 Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. God wants us to give thanks in in our prayers. So again, let me encourage you. Set aside time this week. I pray you'll do that. And in your prayer time, you will take some time to verbally thank God. Not just in your heart. I think sometimes we, we hear those things. That, well, I'm just supposed to be thankful in my heart. But the Bible talks about declaring it with your lips. Pray it out loud. Get in the secret place where you're not going to feel foolish. And start to tell God thank you. For different things in your life. You think of adoration and thanksgiving. We've talked about both of those. They're a little different. When you praise or adore God, you're really focusing primarily on who God is. His attributes, his person, his character. When you thank God, you're really focusing primarily on what God has done. The blessings that he has poured out upon you or upon other people. And listen, you, you can thank God for all kinds of different blessings in, in your prayer time. Thank him for your physical blessings. And again, I would encourage you to be specific. Don't just sit there and say, thank you, thank you, thank. You. that's okay. <laughs> be specific. Think. What do, what, what do I have that, that God has bestowed on me, blessed me with? Thank him for it in your words. Be specific. Thank you, Father, for my warm house today. Thank you, Father, for this big cushioned chair today, that I'm not praying somewhere without a house on a hard concrete floor. Thank you, Father, for a hot cup of coffee. Thank you, Father, that I have a a car that runs. Thank you, Father, for, for my physical health. And listen, it doesn't matter how unhealthy you feel at the time. You still have reason to thank God when it comes to your health. John Wesley once broke his arm in an accident, and in his journal the next day, he thanked God that he didn't break his head (laughs) as reason to give thanks. David McIntyre tells this story about a bedridden woman who said one day, I have experienced today the most exquisite pleasure I have ever had in my life. I was able to breathe freely for about five minutes. And she thanked God for that breath for five minutes. If you are hurting all over today, if you are even on your deathbed here today, you can still thank God. And if you cannot think of a reason why you could thank him right now for your physical body. Well, think of this. The second you die, you'll be with Christ, which Paul says is gain. Nothing but gain for you. And your body will one day then be resurrected out of the grave, no pains whatsoever, forevermore. So if you are on your deathbed, thank God. If you are in Christ Jesus. Because you're that much closer to seeing Jesus face to face. You have reason to thank God. Thank Him for your physical blessings. Thank God for your spiritual blessings. Thank God for the salvation that you have in Christ. Thank God that He kept you from falling into grievous sin yesterday. Thank God for your spiritual brothers and sisters here in this room. You should even thank God for your trials. The Bible tells us several times to rejoice or to give thanks for our trials. Why? Because our trials are conforming us to the image of Jesus and getting us ready to see Jesus face to face. The Bible tells us to thank God, rejoice for our trials. And I wonder how many Christians really do that. We talk about rejoicing in trials. Do we do it? The last time you hit a very difficult trial in your life, did you turn around and say, thank you, God, for this trial? You should have, according to the Word of God. You should have. Samuel Rutherford, he once said this, Oh, what I owe to the furnace, the file, and the hammer of my Lord Jesus. You have reason to thank God. The furnace, the file, the hammer of the Lord Jesus conforming you to his image. Man, listen, when, when you really stop and, and think about it, you have tons of reasons as a believer to thank God in prayer. If you think about it, the Bible says that because of your sin, you deserve the immediate wrath of God. That is what you deserve. That is all that you deserve according to the Word of God. So anything less than the immediate and unending wrath of God right here, right now, that is sheer mercy. Every breath you have that is not the wrath of God. Every, every heartbeat you have that is not the wrath of God. Every warm cup of coffee that you have that is not the wrath of God. Every trial that is not ultimately the wrath of God is a reason for you to give thanks And the amazing thing is that in Christ Jesus, it's not just that you don't get the immediate wrath of God. No, on the contrary, Ephesians 1 says that you have actually been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have so many reasons as a Christian to give thanks. And God wants you to do it in your prayers. And please listen, not just your prayers at the dinner table. You know, I think a lot of Christians, probably the only time they ever really give thanks is at a meal. (laughs) It's the Bart Simpson prayer. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. And that's your thanks. We don't really thank God all that much. I don't think we do. We know we're supposed to. I don't know that we do. We're really, I think, a lot of times like the nine lepers in the Bible. Jesus healed ten of them, but nine of them walked away and never returned to give him thanks. And God bestows so many blessings upon us in our Christian lives. And how many times do we just stop and actually articulate our thanks to God? We're like a bunch of kids, man, I think, when it comes to prayer. A little child, you know, at a very early age, this child, he knows how to ask for things. Give me, give me, give me. I want, I want, I want. But you have to teach the child how to say thank you for the things he gets. And when it comes to prayer, we know how to ask, gimme, 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 I want, I want, I want, and we have to learn, we have to be taught how to give thanks for the things we get. And Man, please listen, that thanksgiving in your prayers, just like adoration, it is so pleasing to God, so pleasing to Him when you would return and say thank you to Him. I think we sometimes think that because God is so high and holy, so exalted, He doesn't really care if we ever return and give Him thanks, but God is a person. He's a person with the most tender, the most sensitive heart of all. And God loves to receive thanks for, for His blessings. Halsby says this in his prayer book. He says, If someone has rendered a great service to you, a human being, if If a human being has rendered a great service to you or your dear ones in a difficult situation, then you feel the desire to meet that person, grip his or her hand fervently and say from the bottom of your heart, thank you very much for what you have done for us. My friend, do the same to Jesus. He is not made of stone. He is moved to happiness. Every time he sees that you appreciate what He has done for you. Grip His pierced hand and say to Him, I thank Thee, Savior,